You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of the Premier League. I'm Robbie Musto, he's Robbie Earl, but it's not Robbie Earl today. Our very special friend Tim Howard is going to jump into the pod today, Tim, so thanks so much for coming in. Always appreciate you having me, I appreciate that. No, yeah, great to have you. Uh, let's go through today's topics. Manchester City survive a first-half scare in the Manchester Derby and score three second-half goals to keep their title charge in tune. Liverpool leave it to the last minute with a Darwin Nunez header in injury time to defeat a Nottingham Forest side that were left aggravated by a controversial refereeing decision. Chelsea grab a point in a rollercoaster draw against Brentford as Mauricio Pochettino faces even more negativity from the Chelsea fan base. And Tottenham secure a second-half comeback win against Crystal Palace to keep their Champions League hopes in good order. That's what we've got coming up in today's Episode. Um, okay, Tim, we have to start, I think, yeah. with the big Manchester derby. Um, we're just out the studio on the back of that game, and God, never disappoints some of these big, big games, mate. And it finished uh, Man City 3, Manchester United 1. Um, there was a scare in the first half with a stunning goal from Marcus Rashford. Tim as a first kind of attack, really, that United had in that first half. But two goals from City in the second half, Phil Foden, then Erlen Haaland. Um, well, Phil Foden had two goals, didn't it? 56 minute, the 80th minute, and Haaland's in stoppage time to win the game 3 1. Um, did it go pretty much, Tim, as we thought it would? I mean, we, we did have a, we always have a call on a Thursday yeah. where the whole team and NBC team, UK and US based guys, get on and have a chat about it. And I think we all kind of thought it would be mm. comfortable for Man City, but it wasn't really. Were you surprised at how United set up? Oh, no, I wasn't surprised at how United set up. Um, they did that at, at Anfield when, we, when mm. everyone thought they'd get brushed aside and they got a draw. And look, I, I think that's the best pathway for them to win big games is to, is to set up deep. Uh, you know, Bruno Fernandes said maybe a bit too deep, but you don't, you don't really have the luxury of, of trying to find that line. Once you, once you camp in and you have two blocks of four, possibly a block of four and a mm. five, you're you're naturally going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. That's just how how the game works, right? And so, um, well, just on the, just on the lineup, Tim. Yeah. Just like, I I was a little surprised how they sat, but you mm. weren't. I I I didn't see. I don't know whether you you just thought that the mm. Bruno Fernandez false nine. I didn't see that coming. I mean, Rashford's no, been playing mm. up front. I know he's he prefers to play in a wide position. Did you just get a sense they might do that? Did you hear something yeah, from United? Well, well, here's here's why I, I thought. I wasn't certain, right? But I, I knew that when you had when you had Casemiro and you had uh, Manu at the base of the midfield, n- neither one of those players was going to play higher. So then, which I was hoping Scott McTominay would eventually get himself into the into the starting lineup, he does. He did, yeah. Now you have three holding midfielders naturally, but McTominay has yeah, shown this, the propensity mm-hmm. to get higher. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking 
McTominay's in there to play higher. That then pushes Bruno Fernandez to the right hand side. Yeah. That's that's not mm. really where he where anybody wants him to be playing. Mm. So it naturally started. I started thinking. Well, then Rashford can play one wing or not to the other. Then you can kind of play a false nine. Who's the only one that really play a false nine is Bruno Fernandez. So it was interesting. It was interesting, sure. yeah. and, and, yeah. I, and I liked the way it was set up. It, it, it allowed them to press Rodri and press John Stones, which didn't really matter in the end because John Stones goes from center back yeah. to uh, the forward line, which I've you know I've never seen in football. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I wasn't surprised how how United set up. Try to be hard to beat. Try and hit him on the break. It worked mm. early on, but mm. ultimately, when you're going to absorb that much pressure. That much ball retention against City, you're going to pay. Well, there's there's always defining moments that we talk about all the time. Rob, mm. uh, Tim's in the studio or, or on the podcast here with Robbie Earl. Um, Marcus Rashford's goal mm. is a is a crazy goal. <laughs> like, uh, what? I mean, I think we know he's capable of these kind of moments. How is a goal just just from a goalkeeper's point of view? He didn't get anywhere near it, Edison, who's no. a top class goalkeeper. No. It's sometimes when somebody strikes a ball like that. Not that you see it coming, but do you, as you're diving, <laughs> diving, you're like, oh, my goodness, yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to get close. Is, is that- it's a courtesy dive. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, right. just, you just know when, the, way, the way he's hit it, and I know it's far out, and sometimes goalkeepers get, get criticized for it. It's far out, but the contact is so clean, and that ball whistles past you before you even have time to react. And once you see it, you think, okay, I'm going to push and I'm going to go here, but you're not going to get anywhere near yeah, it. Yeah. I thought there was another moment you know, later on when, uh, I think Rashford had a second chance, an opportunity, by the way, before that, where he mm. couldn't nod the ball forward. Sure. I mean, the, the whole game plan of sitting really, really deep, mm. deep with two banks of four, yeah. with Scott Matumone and Bruno Fernandes, like inside their own half, yeah. and breaking forward with Anana's long kicks, seemed yeah. to be working pretty well. Into the second half, and again, Rashford may have scored mm. one of those chances. Now, I know we all know about the, the chances that Man City had as well. Foden goes through in the first half, Tim doesn't yeah. score. Uh, we get the, the crazy Erlen Harlem one before half time where. He volleys over from one and a half yards, like mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. Just in terms of the strategy for Man United, at halftime we're saying things like, wow, this, this, they're doing a really good job defensively. They, they could break and score another goal. As the second half wore on, Tim, what, what do you think was the, I don't know, the, 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 the problem that Man United had in trying to stay ahead yeah. in the game? Well, look, it's a good question. I think naturally, and I, I said all the time, you can't, press high press for 90 minutes you can't have all this crazy high intensity sprinting for 90 minutes and i think there's this there's this slight myth where if you sit in you're conserving energy you're actually not because you you've played in teams like that where you're going side to side you're going pressing the ball so you're almost you're almost exerting as much energy by quote-unquote sitting deep so so ultimately as you start to get tired right man city's probing they're looking for gaps as United legs get tired, your mind goes. And when your mind goes, you start making wrong decisions. You open up little gaps. And by the way, City don't need very big no. gaps to, to operate and control games. And so that was if – the, if the tactic was to sit in, that was always naturally be, going to be an issue because also at the beginning of the game, it looks a great tactic. Sit in and break. You're talking about the freshest legs in the world. Okay, yeah. we can run beyond. By the time the game starts to draw on – Marcus Rashford doesn't want to run beyond. Garnacho doesn't want to run beyond because they're having to do so much defending, and so there's not a lot of freshness in the team. Yeah, maybe that's what led to the substitutes that, mm. that didn't help. I got, well, mm. I think we've got to say that. The yeah. substitutes that came into the game, Rashford came off, Garnacho came off, Maynou came off. Um, just back on that point, though, mm. I, I, I remember doing it at Old Trafford, and we were lucky to get a couple of good results at Old Trafford against Man United uh, back in the days of Middlesbrough there. And, and, and to that point, I... What strength I had was, was physical fitness, mm-hmm. right? I could, I could keep going doing that sure. stuff, right? Sure. But to your point, 
others couldn't, wouldn't. Mm. So they'd get tired, they'd slip a little bit, they, they wouldn't track runners. Do you think that's why he made those changes, thinking that Rashford's tiring a little bit on defensive end, yeah. Garnacho's tiring a little bit? I mean, you know, could the United fans go back, and we chatted about it on the air a little bit, yeah. Tim, could, could Eric Ten Hag said, you know what, get on, keep, keep yeah. doing this. Yeah. First half worked yeah. out. Yeah. Like they should have tried, like, like, get on with it, just, th- just keep going. I think we agree a little bit on this, is that it's, it's hindsight, right? But ultimately we're sitting here talking about the changes. But when I look up and down that Manchester United subs bench, mm. there's nobody on, the, on there that I think can change the game even remotely. And you know this as a player, sometimes the greatest motivation for a group is to say, I'm not taking you off. You got to hang in there. We have a result. We're still we're still at one one. Let's make sure that this is what galvanizes us. Mm-hmm. This is what allows you to run the extra mile when yep. you don't have it in your lungs. Mm-hmm. Something like that because they made the changes in the change. Look, it's not the substitution's fault, but the fact of the matter is they just weren't going to bring anything to the game. Bunch of youngsters, big derby moment. It's a really hard position to come into the game. Just going back on something that was a storyline before before the game. And we'll switch, of course, to Man City in a second. Marcus Rashford was in the news, Tim, the mm. Players' Tribune um, interview that he did and, mm. and talked really well about his history and growing up in Manchester mm. and having to get on two buses to go to training mm. and his mum helping him and, and his love and his desire for the football club. I, I, think, I don't think we, we question that. There's others mm. that might question, could, could he, can he bring that out a little bit more in his performances? Mm. He scored a wonderful goal today. Um, where do you stand with Marcus Rashford, Tim? And I know you, know, you can be careful here about what... You, is is he is he one of those players that that will always be a useful player, sure. but if you expect the very top, yeah. he might not reach it for you. I, I think that's right. And look, I, I love Marcus Rashford. I do. I, I like what he does on the field. I like what he does mm. off the field. I think that the window to continue to be world class for Marcus Rashford has passed, and I think that's okay. Let me let, let me preface this by saying I've been on teams where there's been an expectation on certain players to do more. Sometimes a manager will say, you know what, I want more from this player, so I'm going to give him the captain's armband. Guess what? We're looking around and thinking, he's not a captain. He's not a captain material, so don't force it. When I go back to Marcus Rashford, he's someone who loves a football club. Definitely. And because yeah. of the moments that he's had where he scored 20-plus goals in a season, you, you want more and you want more. Maybe what I think Marcus Rashford is is a very good, useful Manchester United player who's come through the club, who's a local boy, and you know what? He'll get you 10 goals this season. Next year, he might get you 20, somewhere in between, as opposed to thinking he's going to bring you 30 goals yeah, every season. That's not who he is. No. Yeah. And what, you know what? He wants to play on the wing. He doesn't want to be up against defenders. He wants to find space to roam and run. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. I have zero, I have zero time to be critical on him when maybe that's just not who he is, and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I think that's probably – I think he's easier. I think he – I, I like the look of United when Razzles Hoyland was fit. Yeah. And he, and he may be the guy that can be consistent, sure. the, the tough guy, that, and, and, and Rashford can chip in with really important goals. I mean, it's a stunning goal he scored today. Yeah. I, I, it really, really was. Before we move over to Man City, uh, Tim, just Eric Ten Hag mm. and where he sits. Mm. And will, would this be acceptable for Man United fans, that performance in this derby match? Um, I think there's a, a feeling out there and Rebecca talked about it with uh, David Ornstein yeah. sort of saying there isn't a ton of talk about changing the manager Eric Ten Hag <laughs> do, you, do you think there's anything going to be significant between now and the end of the season is it going to be Champions League qualification mm-hmm. is it going to be better style of play do you think that, that 
he hasn't done anything horrifically wrong and the new owners well the new par- partial owners will say you know what we're going to keep with him what, what, what's your gut feeling well, on him I think you're judged at a different standard um, at Manchester United I, I wasn't played for three years it wasn't good enough now out the door that, that, mm. that's okay that happens um, is Eric Ten Hag a good manager yeah I think he is um, is he the manager that I think will bring Manchester United success no um, and Ineos and, and, and Sir Jim Ratcliffe they, they spent a lot of money Right? They're going to make the changes they want to make. That's why they want footballing control. Mm. And they've made changes at the top. They've brought in Omar Barada. Um, there's talk of Dan Ashworth and, and, mm. and the likes. Um, it, I, I can see a change there simply because as we look at results, as we look at performance on the pitch and identity, we don't really see that. Ten Hogs had actually had spent some money, brought some players in who... Most of them haven't worked. really worked. No, yeah. I think no. Martinez, you know, in the back, unfortunately, hit with injuries. He's the one we really like, but ultimately yeah. hasn't worked. So I can't imagine that we see uh, Ten Hag probably pass this season. But again, um, just because there's not whispers out there doesn't mean there's not work behind the scenes. I'll put you on the spot. Mm. They're in sixth place right now. Yep. We understand that the Champions League it might go down to fifth. Sure. Uh, I think I know what your answer is going to be, yeah. but but can can United? Can they can they rally mm. to catch Tottenham or Villa and get in that top five? Which oh god, you know, can you imagine if we get an extra place in the Premier League and Man United finish sixth? Like that, <laughs> that's going to be so. Yeah. You know, of course they want top four yeah. and they want higher than yeah. that ultimately, but but to not finish fifth and miss out on an extra well, spot. Do you think they can do it? Are if you ask me, right, if you ask me right now, no. Look, Tottenham have an extra game. Right, they have an, they have a game in hand. So I'm going to say points. they they win, win that. Excuse me. They're four points ahead now. And they're yeah. six points ahead, sorry. Six points ahead now. Plus, plus a game. Plus three, that, that's nine. Look, the other, the other thing is you can't take the Derby in a phone booth. They got played off the park at Luton, right? Mm. But they won mm. just. They lost at home to Fulham. And then basically in, in one of their biggest games of the season, they have to sit in, yeah. defend for their lives, and try and counterattack. Mm. It's an obvious t- tactic that just didn't work. So, you know, you start you start to question like, one is the manager sufficient enough, but also, how do they how do they catch a Tottenham Hotspur? Who are they going to lose some games? Tottenham between now and the end of the season? Yeah, but I tell you what, they're going to win because they score goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a gap that that's mm. too much. Mm, I agree. Switching up to Man City, Tim, and and I always am careful with praise for Man City because mm. we know we know why we we know what's happening with them with these 115 charges that that we do mention on this podcast because mm. it is important and I know that fans of other clubs mm. are frustrated and get angry with the time it's taken to to see if City yeah. broke many many rules which they they've been edged to have done that so I'm, I I understand that and I'm sensitive to that but I also admire the team so much and the manager what he does Tim and you know putting that cloud away yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. like I said on the air earlier um, what wh- wh- you, you give me some of your thoughts on if, if not today, but today, and, and just how yeah. this team finds a way. Mm. When I've got to be honest, at halftime, I thought, you know what? Maybe United can keep this going <laughs> and they can get another on the counter attack. And this could be a time where City, but you were more confident than them at halftime. Mm. You were like, no, they're going to turn it around. And they did. Yeah. What gave you so much confidence in that? Well, I, you know, I think, that, I think they play the game. Well, let me say this in terms of the charges and all mm. the rest of it, those are out there and those are real. Ultimately, However you slice it, and we're going to put one, we're going to put that to one side. This is a this is a collection of eleven players who step on the field. This could be in a park in the middle of nowhere. This could be at at the end. It could be anywhere. The fact that these eleven players play in a rhythm and a fashion mm. 
that is like nothing we've ever seen. Know, cool. They play at warp speed. And when I and when I said that, you probably look at television, you say, oh, they're they're kind of in control here. It's slow. It's methodical. It looks like a training session. I can tell you when they shift gears, it's like there must be twenty off. Yeah, like twenty two light blue shirts out there. It's like it, they're impossible to mark. They go into half spaces. They're unselfish with the ball. I mean, at one point, I was seeing passes from from the big television screen there and i'm watching them saying you should pass there and all they did kept passing to the same person and it just it was it was brilliant to watch it it always is and i think what gave me that feeling at halftime was when you allow a team any team but particularly manchester city that much control and dominance over a game where you quite literally can't do anything you can every six minutes or so you can hit a long ball and someone can chase mm-hmm. it and you call that a counterattack. sure you can make something out of that but the likelihood is when they're in that much Controlled possession. And they created good chances first half. They it's did. not as though they got totally shot out, and we were like applauding. Man, we gave them credit. Yeah, but they had a couple of like yeah. Well, I mean, we, sitters. We, we think about Phil Foden. The game he had. Forget the second half. He had yeah. two. He had two shots in on his right foot in the yeah. first in the first half. Then he nods one across to yeah. to Holland. So yeah. really, there was really good chances, and, and United couldn't be down at halftime. Okay, but they weren't. So mm. um, the signs were there, and, and City usually take those signs. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of some of the individuals today, and, and um, we've talked about the way that they play so many times. I thought John Stones was particularly good mm-hmm. today, Tim. I know he's mm-hmm. had injury issues. He, he went down in this game for a little period of time. His ability to come from centre-back now, and we kind of forget that. We kind of, mm-hmm. we, we, we know about it, what they do, but it's kind of unusual again. Yeah. Usually it's a full-back that goes into inverted, yeah. goes inside, makes a midfield player, and other teams have copied that. I don't think other teams have copied the centre-back going into the middle of the park just yet. I, I think you have to... Fi- Let's take that a step further with, with John Stones. I, I played with John Stones at Everton uh, when he was younger and then obviously City bought him. This is, this is a different, as you said, this is different than an inverted fullback. Yeah. You're, ta- you're taking what is... You're starting the game with your centre-back in a back four and he's then going probably beyond... The center midfielder. He's probably going into the into the number ten position. <laughs> and also, if you and I knew nothing about football, and you, we tuned in, and, and someone said that number five is a center midfielder, you go, "Oh, he's really, really yeah, good." He's really good. You wouldn't think. You wouldn't think twice. No, would and the way he rolls the ball, manipulates it, and finds a pass, and stays on it. It's uh, it's impressive. I think the other player, of course, that was going to grab the headlines is Phil Foden, Tim, mm. and you know, we, you know that Harlem missed and then scored later on, but Phil Foden's kind of improvement to play what he is today is, is pretty remarkable and, and I you know again I know there's a lot of technical players at Man City that are really comfortable on the ball you have to be that way to be playing with Pep but it's that that eye for goal that it, it, it sets them apart yeah and I and I you know I don't know whether you have a thought on that Tim but it's like Bernardo Silva has got an eye for goal but doesn't you know Jack Grealish is different again, stays wide, links to play really, really well. I mean, go through the whole team, like Kevin De Bruyne, assisting machine. Mm. But Phil Foden, he always seems to get opportunities to score. Yeah. What, do, you, do you have a sense of what, what, what is it in a yeah. player that, that makes him close to goal, apart from his brilliant technique, sure. but, but he wants to get close and score goals? Mm. I, well, I, think it's, I think it's the genius of him and players like him where you have to have good technical ability, you have to have good physical ability, but you have to have football IQ, right? And that means mm. making the right decisions, making the right pass, but it also means for a player like him who is who is so goal dangerous, all the good players think one and two steps ahead. That's why you can step across the lines and play, right? Game's fast, so you got to be able to think mm. two and three passes ahead. I, I believe players like him are thinking two or three passes ahead, but they're also thinking how do I, not, not a pass in and a pass on the overlap, 
how can I get myself there between right. between the posts? And that's where his mind, you know, yeah. I, I can I can do the other business. I, I Tim Howard can say oh, I can I can roll it into the middle of the park or I can pass it to the wing. The hard the hard part is if I if I go inside, what's the, where where can I find the next space to get in the scoring position? That's more difficult. Mm. Yeah, it was a remarkable game for him, Phil Foden. Yeah. Um, great comeback, Tim, and it immediately gets you thinking about the title race as we look at the table now. And, you know, Liverpool found a way to win, which we'll mm -hmm. go on to in a second. Uh, Man City did today. We've got Arsenal playing uh, tomorrow against Sheffield United. Is it ominous for the others? Is this all what we expected? Is there anything that you see in Man City that, that might say this year could be different? I mean, it seems from our point of view, we've seen this movie before. Mm. Pep gets finds a way and there's one player injured in Jack Grealish. And Liverpool have got many. Arsenal mm -hmm. have, have got a few. Anything different and I, that you see with City that would give Liverpool and Arsenal hope that, that they, they won't finish as strong as they normally do? No, it's no. Hard. I mean it's hard. Isn't yeah, it? I, think. I, I mean, I, and I think I think the mentality in the dressing room in Liverpool with Klopp and and in Arsenal with Arteta has to be uh, not hope, not hopeful. You know, I don't think these two teams can go. We hope that Man City aren't the same as as years previous. Mm. Let's try and figure out a way that we can be stronger. And they've shown that both Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, it's going to be one heck of a title race. I, I think that. You know, when I look at City's next couple of games, sure. I, I know that they have Liverpool to come and Villa to come and Arsenal, Arsenal at, yes. at some point. So, you know, all within like the next month. And so it's easy to sit here and say, let's, let's wait till then. But there's going uh, to be drop points. There is. There's going to be drop points. And I think as we look at the top three right now and we look back on the season, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one surpassing the other week to week. And that's mm. why this is so fun because mm. none of them are going to be really out of it no. at any point, right? Because there's just so many big games to come that I, you can't see any of these teams really taking all the points, all the spoils. The, the one thing I will say about City is they are the only team that's proven to be able to run the gauntlet and say, yeah, we've, we've just rattled off a 10-digit, uh, excuse me, a double-digit unbeaten run. None oh, of the other teams can run. say that, not, not down not down the stretch. No. Uh, Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As we move on, mate, and that's a nice little uh, link to, to Liverpool, they, they've gone very close. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so, so they've gone neck and neck with them. Of course, they beat them the, the COVID year, wasn't it, where they won the, the Premier League title. They've gone very, very close before. 
almost 100 points. Was it 97 and 98 one year where Liverpool got really, really close? So they're the closest in terms of history of going course and distance at, the, at this level. Um, we'll switch on to their game, Tim, and Nottingham Forest nil. Liverpool won. We know, knew about the Arsenal, uh, the Liverpool injuries going into the game. Good news, though, in some ways, when you look at the bench, Endo's on the bench, Sobozai's on mm-hmm. the bench, Darwin Nunez is on the bench, you know, um, Kwanzaa as well. So, so players are coming back. And it was Darwin Nunez, Tim, that came off the bench and scored uh, a, controver- <laughs> a controversial goal to win them the game. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump to that, because uh, we know that Nottingham Forest have employed a friend of ours, Mark Clattenburg, yeah. as, a, as a consultant. And I think we kind of differ a little bit on this, but let's first go to the to the to the challenge. Um, so it's one minute fifty where there's a an injury to Kanate, Ibrahim yep. Kanate from yep. a set piece. There's a head injury. The referee's looking at him. I'm going to stop the game. He stops the game when Callum Hudson Odoi has possession mm-hmm. in the attacking third on the left hand side, blows a whistle, and what the rules clearly state is that the ball should be uncontested drop. For Nottingham Forest, sure, sure. facing forward, sure. they have possession. It wasn't. It was given back to Liverpool. A drop ball for uh, Keller, the goalkeeper, who, who lumps it down the field. One minute 50 later, they score a goal, Liverpool, in the winning goal. And mm. it goes off afterwards, mm-hmm. going crazy afterwards. Maranakis, the mm. owner of, of Forest, is in there, apparently trying to get into the referee's dressing room, asking the questions. And Mark Clattenburg did speak to the media, Tim, about the, the refereeing performance mm-hmm. two parts of this and we did it a little bit on on our tv this this weekend first of all the incident do forest have uh, have an argument that hang on a minute like we should have had the ball that would have changed everything for the goal yeah. or you have a different opinion um well it yeah slightly different opinion. this seems a very black and white issue right referee got it horribly wrong horribly wrong in the sense that like it was so obvious. Mm. You, you 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 almost have to question, like, what like ref, how did you? At? Yeah, how did you? Yeah. They, 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 you didn't call a foul. Hudson mm. Adoy, the fourth player, was in possession of the ball. No problem. Stop it. You think it's a head injury or whatever? Stop it. You drop the ball either for Forrest or secondarily, you drop it to Liverpool, who then sportingly kick it back. We, we've seen that a bunch. My issue is twofold with Forrest. Number one, and I've and I've been a part of this. A lot of times in my career, when the referee gets something that wrong, because he's holding, time's gone on, he's holding the ball, he's standing in the penalty area, he's about to give the ball to Liverpool goalkeeper Kelleher. Not one Forest player mm. went over and said, "Hang on a minute, mate. This is our ball. How could you possibly give this?" And and oftentimes you see it where there's five and six players hooting and hollering, throwing their hands up. So I have a problem with Forest. Not paying attention Twice, to that. So, yeah. Right, num- n- number one. Number two, the ball goes down the other end. Okay, they don't clear it. They get a corner. Once they clear the first header from the corner, hudson Adoy and Awani have an opportunity to clear the ball. Okay, then McAllister gets it. The goal gets it. So all this blaming the referee mm-hmm. for something that happened a couple of minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Referees make bad decisions all the time. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You get on with the game. Yeah. So I have, I have a pro- I put some blame on the Forest players as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I- I just I, maybe it's me that I and I understand that point of view mm-hmm. and I respect mm-hmm. that point of view. It's a throw as well, Tim. By the way, in that one minute, there's a throw in and everything yeah, where yeah, you can yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah. So that's a very valid argument. I just feel like if I'm one of those Forest players or the fan or whatever, and like if you give us a ball back, then maybe we get we get a corner. Yeah, and that's going to take up time. Maybe. Yeah, everything changes in terms of what happens there. So I, I think it's I, it, I just feel for sometimes the smaller teams, and I understand that. And I had a bit of crack with um, a bit of banter with Lee Dixon saying, "Look, listen." 
you know, the, the, the weaker teams sometimes don't, don't get the decisions. The big mm -hmm. teams get it. Get better. Do better. Be, yeah, be yeah, a better yeah. side yeah. and maybe you'll yeah. get some of those. Um, the other side of this, the other side of it, um, is Mark Lamberg and being a, a referees consultant or whatever at, uh, at a football club is like, wow, this is kind of new. Yeah. I think, so what do you like about it and maybe mm. what you don't like about a club mm. hiring a former referee yeah. to help them? Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be brutally honest with the audience and say, I'm not sure I know or anybody knows exactly what the <clears throat> angle is to bring him in. I know what's been told, right? <laughs> and that's... Um, data analysis, fact. Maybe um, educate the players. Educate like the players. Remind help the players of the rules. Bridge a gap. Yeah, bridge a gap with referees. Oh, who knows? Um, now, it, is Maranac is being overly clever in hiring Mark Clattenburg because he feels hard done by, that he feels that his team has been hard done by. And by the way, with the money he's spending, if you can get a few calls to go for them and Mark Clattenburg can kind of lobby on his behalf and, and, and put a little bit of fear in certain referees. Listen, every... Every, this is the, the job that referees sign up for is to be the man or woman in the middle, right? They're going to have to take the criticism, um, hopefully in a respectful way, but we do it all the time. All, you know, when you're on the pitch, it's, hey, we, we need more fouls. We're getting kicked all over the park. And then hopefully you influence referee enough to get some calls. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what's going on behind the mm -hmm. scenes. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, it's something we've never really seen in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my natural reaction is I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I feel mm -hmm. for the referees, my goodness, is another kind of avenue of pressure on these guys. Yeah. From clubs making statements, I'm thinking of Arsenal and, and Liverpool with the Lewis Diaz goal against Tottenham. These club statements about refereeing decisions. Yeah. And now you're going to get, I mean, what if 20 clubs, in, you know, hire consultants that have oh, more. Is there anybody going to want to be a referee, Tim? No. Is there anybody? Because no. VAR's come in and it's brought this kind of extra level of help mm. that now everybody wants perfect decisions and we're still not yeah. seeing that and, yeah. and to that end you know the likes of Forrest and other teams that when bad decisions are made are like we brought this in to help us we're not mm -hmm. getting help we're getting mm -hmm. bad decisions even with VAR I just don't like the road that this leads of, of more scrutiny on the, on the referees mm -hmm. let them ref yeah. and, and, and try and think about over the course of a season you're going to get some go for you some go against True. you and, yeah. and respect the referee a little bit more so I don't, I, I, I mean, we know Mark Clattenburg is a top man, yeah, he's a good. great guy. We've had him, he's worked in our shows a few times and it's not him, of course. It's just the idea of a, of a consultant. It is different. And maybe, maybe you're, you're right, Tim, that they, they feel like, hmm, Clattenburg's, you know, Forrest, yeah, he's going to, he might make a fuss. He's going to uh, question us a little bit more. Let's make sure we're on it for mm. their games. I don't know. Quite it's hard, possible. It's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah, it was. But at the end of all that, Liverpool won the game and the momentum carries on and Jurgen Klopp fist pumps on the sideline. Mm. Um, I, 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 with with players coming back, I yeah. said before this game, Tim, that this could be really tricky because mm -hmm. you've got a lot of changes to the lineup, game rhythm for some of these players. Uh, Bobby Clark played in midfield. You know, your, your midfield was different with Joe Gomez in mm -hmm. there, but they they found a way. Found they a found way. a way. Three points going forward. Now, of course, the City game is next Sunday, which is going to be an incredible game. The likes of these other guys, Nunez and Sobersly and Endo, will be back in the team. Yeah. That's going to be an amazing, amazing game. All right, um, they were the kind of the two main stories we had, Tim. Let's look at some of the other games that happened. Um, and we, of course, the other, the other games here, we'll go through them and just pick out stuff. Um, Brentford 2, Chelsea 2. Mm. Pressure, pressure really, really mounting on Richard Pochettino, Tim. And, and, and let me give you my... I mean, I, I think Thomas Tuchel didn't last very long. Graham Potter, mm -hmm. with all these players, like decisions from the top and mm -hmm. the, all those extra young players and the philosophy of young players, expensive young players, to build something for the future. Yeah. 
is costing managers their job a little bit. And, and I think it's, it's too early at the moment to be really blaming Richard Pochettino. That being said, when you look at the league table, it's a shocker to see Chelsea in the 11th spot. Um, and the numbers are so big with a billion pounds of new players. Where, where are you with Pochettino? And again, 2-2, they, I mean, they showed a bit of character to come back and get the late goal from yeah. Dizazi to make it 2-2. Again, this is, a West, this is Brentford. I know. Tim, this is Brentford against Chelsea that gave him a real good scare. Do you think Pochettino is going to make the season? If he does make the season, I'm assuming they ain't going to, they're going to be mid-table. Not too. Is that going to be enough for the owners to say, you know, we'll keep going into next year, Tim? Well, I think, yeah, I think my personal opinion is owners have to have patience and foresight. Um, you know, can't just listen to what's going on and, and, and the fans saying we want this this manager out. That, that happens too often. My worry is, and I saw this with Grand Potter, mm. I thought, you don't have to win the league, but you can't be this bad. You know, they went through a stretch where just weren't, weren't winning games. And, you know, I know it's a young team. And, and, and Pochettino's still trying to put his, his, his blueprint on it. But ultimately, they're not, they've not been good enough at the moment. We're not seeing a ton of incremental success or games. But how much can we blame on the manager for that, Tim? How, how much can we, given, given some of these players haven't been at this level before, well, we're okay. learning all, all right, the time. Right, so here's the problem. Here's the problem. You, you, get, you get managers like Unai Emery at, at Villa. You get... De Zerbi at Brighton, you get you get managers who can come in and have this instant impact. So that is clearly down to the manager. Um, you just you would hope that a Pochettino led side would have found an, a way to get more results. I, and I don't mean they have to necessarily compete for Europe or or be in the top four, but found a way to get better results and not be eleventh in the table. But again, my opinion, Pochettino's a very good manager. He should stay. He should get time because listen, Chelsea was a little bit of a mess in terms of like having way too many players, way too big of a squad, having to trim that down a bunch. Yeah. I mean, I they, 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 well, they, they, yeah, a lot, a lot of injuries. injuries. I mean, they, they were they were a, a more successful, bigger version of, of Nottingham Forest. To bring all these new players in, mm. it's kind of a hodgepodge puzzle, and, and, mm. and then you as a manager go figure it out. It's really difficult. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the one thing I would say to add to that is that the Chelsea fans. They, 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 they're used to seeing managers yeah. switched over yeah. and fired. And they're used and, to success. And, uh, yeah, and they're used to success based on that kind of philosophy. <laughs> I always think, you know, we can say what we want to say. And owners and directors of football can say what they want to say. The power of the fan, mm. the power of that, that atmosphere, mm. that chanting, that, particularly away fans. If you start to lose your away fans, mm -hmm. they're, mm -hmm. they're sometimes the most knowledgeable, the most passionate then sometimes things get out of hand pretty quickly mm -hmm. and, and the job becomes untenable, which is something mm -hmm. we hear quite a bit. Could that be the only thing that, that, that pushes him out of his job where the fans, it becomes really bad over the next few weeks where the, where the owner's like, oh, I, I, maybe I've got to make a change. Mm -hmm. Are they risk of that? Um, no, not for me. I think the risk is results. I think if the results continue to stay poor and the noise continues yeah, to stay yeah. loud, then yes. Uh, you know, if the team... Is just getting by, but they're winning games. The noise can be as loud as they want. I still think Pochettino will be safe. Mm, hope so. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog.
Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Luton 2. Aston Villa three, Ollie Watkins, one of your favourite players, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you've got to love what he's doing, Uno Emery, at the football mm-hmm. club right now. Aston Villa sat in fourth spot, win again. Um, really, really good performance away at Luton Town. This can be very, very tricky. It was a big day for Ollie Watkins. A couple of goals for him: twenty fourth minute, thirty eighth minute. Uh, mm. Luca Dina scores when Luton Town came back out of nowhere to bring back the two two, mm. and Dina scores the the winning goal. Just give me a word on on Ollie Watkins. I know that we spoke over the, on the broadcast about. Players of the year, we had a little bit of fun on our phone call yeah. and you chucked in Ollie Watkins yeah. Um, and like, yeah, yeah, good shout. He absolutely showed it to me. He's, he's, is he kind of playing all that you want from a number nine? He's showing it right now. He is. I mean, the reason I picked him as my you know, player of the season when asked was Villa aren't supposed to be in fourth no, they're place. I think they're they're, you, know, I, you get the feeling they're in pole position to make the top four. Ollie Watkins, 16 goals, 10 assists. I, I mean, the balance of that is just, listen, you give me 15, 20 goals, I'm happy. You're going to add 10 assists? And, and, like, and when I look yeah. at what Una Emery is doing at Villa, I mentioned it just a, just a minute ago. You know, Bailey, McGinn, uh, Douglas Louise, their num- all of their numbers are like double and quadruple of what they did last year in terms of, of, of output and production. That's down to the system and the manager. These are good players. But they've been put in a position to thrive and succeed and given confidence through the manager and the way his tactics are set up. I mean, you can't say enough good things about Aston Villa Football Club. No, that's really right. And I just add the signings have been pretty good as well. You think mm-hmm. about signings that have come into the football club. Pau Torres was a great signing. Uh, Diaby um, maybe gone off the board a little bit. Yeah. Leon Bailey's been a good signing. You think of uh, Yuri Tillemans, mm-hmm. I think it was a free transfer in the yeah. summer. You know, good players that have really helped the team when they needed yeah. certain spots. So, so they are absolutely flying right now. Tottenham 3, Crystal Palace 1. Another team that, that a funny team to me often go behind and then roar back to win games. Tottenham aren't going away, Tim, are they? Didn't play last weekend. A little bit off, you know, a little bit under the radar. A little bit. They're still sat in, in fifth spot, in touch with Aston Villa. Are you still confident they can push Villa all the way? Yeah, I, I am. I think that goals are so hard to come by, and I'm a stickler for teams that just don't know how to defend. Um, but. For the moment, I'm a believer in, in Ange Postacoglu, and he's basically saying, "Does sound, sound like you're fully committed. Well, you, you, I, you have concerns it's about it's, it's, I have enough of a, I have enough of a of a test now in terms of you know where we are, 26, 27 games in. That it works, and every now and again, yeah, they're going to lose games, and, and you wish they'd shut up shop because they can score goals, and then you know eke, eke well, out a result. Do they don't, <laughs> and it's okay. Like they're okay with it. And, and what I would say is, it's you know this: the hardest thing to do in football is to score goals, and, and they. They do that with almost ease, you know, and so that, that part is special. Yeah, I think so. They've got most of their players fit now. Richarlison, I know, is out. 
injured at the moment. Uh, Destiny Odogi came back in. The side Pedro Porro is the fullback that's out right now. But that is a really good win for, 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 for Spurs, and they'll believe they can finish in the top mm. four as well. Uh, next one on the list here, Everton 1, West Ham 3. Um, lots of Tim Howard stuff here. Mm. Oh, um, Everton, with those points being at, what, the 16th now... Yeah. Any more concerns about Everton, Tim, or are you, are you fairly satisfied that what you've seen so far, we know there's a potential other points deduction coming along the yeah. line, which we're going to find out, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Any more concerns for Everton? Mm. Or are you, okay no concerns. I mean, listen, I can't speak on, on the possible points deduction to come. If that happens and they get chucked back into the, into the relegation mix, yeah, we can have that conversation. Yeah. But at, at, with 25 points, you know, okay, West Ham got the three goals, but... They're a pretty rock-solid defensive unit. Mm-hmm. They, they enjoy working hard. Sean Dyche preaches that. Um, they don't have a lot of goals in the team. But I, no, do, no. But I do think um, with their kind of ingenuity, with, with the hard work that's in the midfield, Decore will pop up with goals for the team. Um, mm-hmm. McNeil every now and again, one or two here or there. They'll have enough to get them over the line. So in terms of concern for Everton in the relegation fight, not really. Moisey. Mm. A man that you know very, 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 very well. Um, have we seen this before, Tim? Where, where like the, the pressure mounts, he has a run of five, six, seven, eight games where when he doesn't have his best players, it becomes a little uh, awkward yeah, to watch, yeah, a little yeah. slow, and the fans are like, oh, why are we watching this? And they go away, well, he's done okay. Then they come back next week, oh, it's not very good. And yeah. then they start panicking up, and then he gets his best players back. Is it as simple as that with David Moyes? Does he, does he need those star players? Well, I would say he does. Because it can't, it doesn't seem like he creates advantages through through tactical kind of innovation. He's more about, yeah, listen, let me put a squad together. Yep. I'll make them solid as a rock without yep. the ball. They all know their jobs. I just need a couple of stardust players to make the difference to totally. win games. Is it as simple as that with him? Totally. And that's always been, that's always been his mo: set up a team, create an environment where where, where hard work is at the forefront of it. He'll bring in through some shrewd signings and some shrewd spending, some match winners. He has that in Bowen. And let's not forget, uh, you know, Bowen and Pakita. Um, you know, let's not forget, for, for all the criticism that, that sometimes befalls David Moyes, you know, he, he, he was telling the world that Jared Bowen's a number nine before any of us were believers. That, oh, hang on. Jared Bowen's a right winger. He will be. And okay. he's got a good left foot, but he's not a number nine. Guess what? Maybe he is the number nine. And so um, he has to be given credit there. I think David Moyes has done a fantastic job at setting his team up to succeed. And listen, I hear the whispers out of West Ham, and, and, and they want it to look a certain way. I'm a little bit baffled as to what West Ham supporters want. They have a team that works hard, that, that, that they can't, can't not work their socks off. They've got some flair players, match winners, like Kudos, Pakata, Bowen, good signings, really good, good really good signings. They've qualified for Europe three years in a one, three years in a row. They won the the Europa Conference League. Like they're where are they now? They're, they're in seventh place, chasing mm. chasing Europe again. Like yeah. what? Not sure exactly what you want, West Ham, yeah. because that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's careful. Remember last year, those new signings, Skamaka, the striker, mm-hmm. a few others that didn't really settle. He wasn't comfy with them, Tim, no, was he? He no. didn't play them. And you say, why, why is he not playing some of these younger, uh, these new players? And if, he, if they're not right, you don't mm-hmm. play them, and he gets them out of the football club yeah, and, he, and yeah. make other signings. Kudos is an incredible signing, and, and I'm pleased to see him. You know, I, this contract thing, Tim, with him, there's a report, there's a contract on the table, <laughs> and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to yeah. just wait. I'll wait to see what, yeah. what the fans... Do you, think, do you think that's what he's doing? You know him better than anybody else. Is he? Well, yeah. If he gets a lot of hostility, he might say, you know what, I don't want this. 
Well, I think I think the way I read the situation, and David Moyes is uh, one of the most stubborn human beings that I know, and probably a good way. Um, I, this just seems to me that he holds the cards. You know, that he holds the cards in all this because I've just laid out what what West Ham have done under his tutelage, pretty darn good. Mm. And I think, yeah, I think he's waiting for the noise to die down just mm. to say, no, 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 yeah. I'm in charge here. I've done the business. I'm not going to sign a, a contract uh, under what feels like the rest of people want me at a football club. Just hang on a minute. Mm. And I think he's, you know, he's turning the table back to him, as he should be. Yeah. I mean, as he should be. Yeah. There's a lot of clubs that want David Moyes if he doesn't sign that contract. But ultimately, I think he will. Mm. Just last three games, uh, Newcastle three, good win for them against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Isaac on the ski score sheet is always good, and, and Gordon as well. Livermento, the fullback, getting the goals there against Wolves. Kind of a somewhat of a surprising result that, given how Wolves have done, but a really, really desperately needed win for, for Eddie Howe. Fulham win three 0 against Brighton. Again, I, another surprising result here in terms mm. of how Brighton have gone and, and Roberto De Zerbi. You know, he just kind of drifting down the league table a yeah. little bit. I know they've missed some really important players. Solly March has been out for a while. I know Enciso has been out for a while. Um, important players are out as well. Um, and the game that we just finished watching, Tim, and, and again, you can comment on whichever ones of these mm. you'd like. Burnley nil, Bournemouth 2. Not a particularly sexy game for us to our first thing this morning, um, but confirmation that Burnley, mm-hmm. with the philosophy of Vincent Company, and we mm. joke about this a little bit, you know, that it was all great last year and they had 100 mm-hmm. points and mm-hmm. the football, and I, we hear from Burnley fans loving the way it's going. Mm-hmm. It's confirmation that, particularly when you've got to change most of the team, and the team that you had last year was lone players and yeah. they've left and it's hard to rebuild. Isn't it difficult, Tim, to, to play a style that's progressive and attractive in this Premier League and be okay? Mm. Because if, you, if you're not good, if your players aren't good in that way and you're expansive and you open up, you're going to concede a lot of goals when things go wrong. Twofold question, are you surprised it's been so difficult for Vincent Company with that style? And should he reconsider his philosophy as time goes forward in his career? Mm. Um, I'm going to say something really stupid and really intelligent all at the same time. The Premier League is hard. Mm. I say the Premier League is hard. As an ownership group and, and, and a club, you know, to, to have the lone players, to come up with the lone players, play so well, have them leave and bring in a new set of players, because you have to, it, it, to expect them to gel and to play in a way that's an expansive, open, risky-type style, it's really hard. It's really difficult for these players to adapt. Um, you would hope that that there would be some sort of pragmatism just to get results. I think we've seen that. Let me let me take you down to another team. We've seen that with Luton. Really love Rob, Rob Edwards. They're playing really good football at the moment. They are. That wasn't the case in the beginning of the season because you know what he said? He said, hang on, we're going to try and build a base and a foundation that we can work from. We don't want to just keep getting turned over every week and beat every week. And they did that. And then all of a sudden there was this transition out of nowhere saying, wow, they play really good football. They're passing teams off the park. And so I think there has to be uh, a plan B or a plan C. You don't always have to go to them, but you kind of need them in the Premier League, particularly with, I'm a firm believer that you stay in the Premier League by any means necessary. You just mm-hmm. keep keep getting there, keep building, because what that allows you to do is accumulate funds, accumulate reputation, and yeah, then you'll build, attract better building. players and build. So um, when, you're, you're, when you become this yo-yo club, even if it's a short period of time, you then have to wheel and deal a little bit in the, in the transfer market. And it, you know when you look at Burnley, once Burnley comes up, then all of a sudden they're going into the French market, Belgian market. 
these clubs are going to go, oh, you're a Premier League club now. Mm-hmm. We want a little bit more money for this guy. And we know you have it because you're a Premier League club. So the business end is very difficult too. It's really interesting, Tim. It's a great point because of, of, of I don't know, what, ple- what, ma- what, sorry, what fans think they want yeah. and how hard it is to yeah. attain that. And I think they're, they're also the point, I know Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp both give Rob Edwards a ton of credit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But you're right. They all of a sudden they possess well and they mm-hmm. build up well and they're they're on the front foot. They try and play the game in their opponent's half, and that can be vulnerable going mm-hmm. the other way as yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, listen, mate. I, I think that's about us. I I, I do want to get your little take on on the bottom as we're finishing off with mm-hmm. those kind of teams and and who you think's going to be in trouble. We know there's a little asterisk around uh, Everton and Nottingham Forest with possible mm-hmm. points deductions. Is it as simple as the three that came up, Tim, are going to go down, or, or do we have a, a sting in the tail later in the next few weeks and months? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't. I think Luton are playing so well um, to see that they're still, you know, four points back of, of Nottingham Forest is, Incredible. is it's hard, it's really it? eye opening. I know they have a yeah. game in hand. Like if if they can win their game in hand, let's say, you know, that certainly gives them more of a shot. Puts them on twenty three points, just a point from safety. If, if all the results go, it's just really, really difficult to see it not being those three. I think Forrest, I think Forrest still have enough. Even if they get two or three points. Sure, that's a different discussion. That's, you know, that's a different discussion. Yeah. Um, but as it stands currently, if nothing else changes in terms of point deduction, really hard to see mm. those three not going back mm. down. Mm. All right, mate. Thanks so much for jumping in and, and giving our Robbie Earl a, a well-deserved break. And, uh, of course, um, next episode is Sunday, the 10th of March. We'll be recapping match week 28. There is a Monday game, Sheffield United versus Arsenal. Coverage begins at 2 p.m. Eastern time on USA Network. And next Sunday, wow, Liverpool versus Manchester City. That kicks off at 11.45, I think, Eastern time on USA Network. So thanks so much for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus chews. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.